It's the Bill Murphy Show. A daily one-on-one 30-minute interview between people from all walks of life. Available daily at BillMurphyShow.com. And now, here's your host, Bill Murphy. And welcome to the digital broadcast, otherwise known as podcast, for Monday, April 11th, 2011. Brought to you by Lulu's Bait Shack, gigantic fishbowl drinks, great live music this past weekend there. <clears throat> and uh, fresh Florida seafood served in Beach Place on A1A in the heart of Fort Lauderdale Beach. Join us down there. We are pushing back the return of Original Music Night so we can compile a bunch of you great musicians and get a, a whole month of shows booked in advance, so... The original music night will resume sometime in May. We will keep you posted here on this show. A lot of the acts that you hear on the show on Music Friday will be appearing on Lulu stage. Today, a very special edition of a Masters to Remember. That's what we're calling today's show. I'm going to have three guests on for you uh, by the end of the half hour, and we're kicking it off with my good friend who's also been a past guest on the Bill Murphy Show, Eric Schwarz, longtime PGA caddy. What's up, my brother? What's going on, Bill? Nice to hear from you, my friend. Yeah, and you're getting ready to go on another tour stop, are you not? Yeah, going tomorrow to, to uh, back to Florida. Yeah, Tampa. You, you're, is this a PGA event you're in next week? No, no. Champions Tour. All right, that's back a... Steakhouse Pro Am. And uh, I guess you always like your odds, Caddy, and for Corey Pavin going into a seniors event. Is that the case this week as well? How 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 much of a favorite would you consider him? Well, yeah, it's got to have a good chance. He always has a good chance. But he hasn't played, and he's been off for a month, so one never know. You've been with Corey before where he's had a long stretch where he hasn't played three or four weeks and then just comes out, you know, with all guns blazing, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It could happen, but I like our chances the week after that, but it's okay. Next week uh, should be a good tune-up. All right, so what a Masters. I, I, I guess you agree with me. It's worthy of a long discussion. The first thing I thought of, one of the things I thought of while I was in the middle of that excitement was how much your phone must have been ringing. It must have been one of those days where everybody that even knows you considers you to be their golf guru and just called to weigh in or find out what your opinion was. Is that the case? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of people called me today, Bill, and uh, and I tell you what, it was, it was enjoyable. I mean, it was one heck of a Masters. It might have been the best, might have been the best I've ever watched. I mean, obviously, I was there quite a few times, but uh, that might have been one of the best ones I've ever watched. When you have six guys tied for the lead on the back nine, and I mean, in the back nine with thirteen and fifteen is going to be a heck of a shootout. So, I mean, anything can happen, and and boy, it sure did, didn't it? It was amazing. I was just caught. I don't think I've enjoyed watching a sporting event like that in at least a couple of years. It's been a while, and it's been a, a, maybe even a lot longer than that. Um, a couple of things I have to talk to you about from the caddy's perspective. I think we'll start off with uh, Rory McIlroy. Now, here we've got an, uh, an amazing talent, 21-year-old kid, who just to be in the Masters and in the lead through 63 holes is quite an accomplishment. He should be very proud of it, and it sounds like he is already. But um, as a caddy, he gets to that back nine and makes that horrific triple on 10. What kind of a conversation are you having with a 21-year-old golfer in all your experience now? Well, I think that the conversation would have started on the 10th tee, just to, to make sure that you point out to uh, your golfer to make sure. The last thing you want to do is, is, I mean, you can miss it right, Bill. And, I mean, you still got a chance to make a, uh, you know, a par, but... To hit what he hit and hit the tree and then go way back there in the cabins at Augusta National, uh, and where he was, um, and that was that was double bogey written all over it. And as everybody well saw, um, 
he made triple. And, uh, you know, the chip shot, too, has uh, kind of baffled me. I mean, it, it, do whatever you do. You just you don't, you don't hit the tree that's 10 yards in front of you, for God's sakes. I mean, yep. hit it on the green and, you know, take your two-putt, get out of there with a double. And he made triple, and uh, that was very costly. And obviously he went on to bogey the next hole and, and double 12 as well. And, I mean, that's just – but as what I would say as a caddy, I'd – I'd, I'd make sure you would have hit it right on 10. I mean, if you're going to miss it, you can miss it right there. Yeah. And that's what now, I would have said. But, uh, you know, but that's that's the kind of shot. And, and, and maybe as, as far as Rory hits it, because he, uh, he was leading the Masters in driving distance. I mean, he could have hit a, a low hook and three wood. And once it gets that slope on 10, it goes all the way down to the bottom of the hill. And you got, you know, you got a seven iron or six iron or whatever. Whatever these long boys hit these days, but uh, you know maybe bait iron or something. I don't know. Yeah, real good coverage on this on this year's event, and and I and I know as a caddy, you you guys see the game in a much more intricate at a much more intricate level than any of us do. So I think you would have recognized stuff earlier in the round. In fact, I'm sure you would have, because I think even in my limited knowledge of what goes on out there, I noticed early on we got to see every one of his shots in the first nine, the first few holes. Everything was going left. I'm making an assumption that I know enough about golf to say this. You correct me if I'm wrong. But if he's pulling everything left to start out the day, uh, that's an indication to me that he's tightening up his grip and uh, then the hands are sort of the first to go. Well, yes, it is in one point or another. But he's, obviously he was getting awfully quick. Uh, he, you know, and, and just gotta, you have to tell your player, which I tell uh Corey, um, you know, rhythm, man. When you start getting quick, a guy will think of rhythm or tempo or whatever you want to tell, whatever one, one caddy tells a pro. But, I mean, if you start getting quick, you have, you have to get get right in there and let let your player know that. Right. And uh, um, I'm not saying anything bad about JP. He's a friend of mine in the case for Rory. But, uh, I mean, you got to jump in there and, and, and let this guy know. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, like I said, it's nothing derogatory towards him. He's a 21-year-old kid. Right. You know, and you're and you're leading a you're leading a, one of the obviously one of the big probably the biggest tournaments right. in the world to win, and you're leading it as a 21 year old kid. And I tell you, that's that's a, I mean, obviously the pressure's going to get to you. Whereas you know the back nine at Augusta National is, you know, you get by, you know, you, you make par in ten and 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 then you make par in eleven, and if you can get by aiming I mean eleven, twelve, and thirteen, you get by there even par. Especially all, when you're leading a tournament, and, and, he, and we all saw what happened. I mean, what was it triple? He went triple, bogey, double, drove it in the water on 13. And know, that's when they decided to stop showing him on television. <laughs> that would be correct. <laughs> yes, they so, did stop showing him. I hate to laugh at at, at Rory Gallagher. Uh, Rory, uh, Rory Gallagher. How about that? How about Rory Sabatini? Rory Sabatini. Right. How, Rory, how Rory, about Rory McIlroy? Rory McIlroy's demise on that back nine. But you know, I I, I think he's aware of what happened. I think we're going to see a whole lot more from this kid. And another impression I got was that that Augusta crowd was so classy to stick around and watch him finish and give him the ovation that they did it's a real class act by him and by the people in augusta it was fun to watch well the people in augusta as they call them they're the patrons not the spectators oh yes oh yes they respect golf uh, more than any golf fans at uh, any tournament i've ever been to in my 33 years of caddy now they respect golf very much so the people in the South, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying anything derogatory to anybody else. But those people in the South, I mean, they're, they're respectful of what happens and uh, what they do at Augusta is very special. Yep. 
and they understand that, and I think it's a great gesture on their part. Now, you've been there many, many times. Um, There's a couple of things I want to kind of get from you. Have you ever seen, have you ever been part of a Masters final round that had such a tumultuous period that there was in there, that 90 minutes where the lead just changed hands so many times, Tiger was making that run. Could you compare this year's Masters to anyone that you've been in where it was that hectic in the back nine? No, 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 Murph, not. I've never, no, nothing even close to that. I mean, in 92, when, when Corey had a chance, I mean, that's, I, nothing when I, because there was quite a few years in a row that when, when, uh, when Corey's played real well there before they lengthened it 500 yards or whatever they did. Right. But, but it was, uh, no, nothing ever like that. Uh, that was, I mean, when you have, you have six guys tied for the lead at 10 under par and going to the back nine. I mean, that's, 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 Ridiculous. What what kind of golf? I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm going. This is going to want to be one of the best Masters I'm ever going to watch. Right. And, and it sure as enough was. I mean, there was there was so much action on the back, and and uh, uh, you know the McElroy's demise and and, and Schwartzel birdie in the last four holes. I mean, that was just fantastic golf. And I, with you know, Tiger getting up there, I mean, I mean, I'm sure CBS is happier than a lark that the, their <laughs> yeah. race went through, through skyrocketed because of Tiger was in the hunt and Tiger was in the lead for yeah. you know for you know, three or four holes or whatever it was. But uh, that that was monumental in, in, in fact for well and I know it was for CBS because I, I mean I'm, I'm golf ratings went through to the roof which uh, golf needs bad at this point. A couple of um, points that came up, and of course there's hundreds of them. We could sit here for two hours and talk about all the fantastic facts of this week's Masters with uh, Charles Schwar- or Carl, as you uh, found out it is. Um, his birdie on 16, something that all the champions seem to have in common is that they usually birdie 16 on Sunday. You also find that to be true? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Um I mean, you know, 15, normally normally most guys that are obviously playing good and winning the Masters normally birdie or eagle 15. Right. And 16 with a pin back left, I mean, if you hit a good solid shot right in the middle of the green, it's going to roll down close to the hole somewhere if you hit it the right distance, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, you know, you suck a burrow shot went over the green. I mean, there's, you know, you, if you hit the right distance, which obviously Schwartzel did, and uh, uh, and he had but about about eight or ten footer for birdie, and right. obviously converted. But uh, no, that's not that difficult difficult of a pin placement on that hole. Uh, I mean, the ones that are on the right side of the green on sixteen are the two tough ones, of which are on Friday and Saturday, and uh, on Thursday and Sunday they're on the. Um, well, the front left on Thursday and back left on Friday on Sunday, but right. But uh, those those are the easiest ones to get to because you can hit it up on the right and, and let the ball spin back to the hole. So now and then and, and, uh, uh, we've got it all in. A lot of great information from you, Eric. Eric Schwartz, caddy for Corey Pavin on the PGA Tour, chiming in on our Masters to Remember show that we're doing for this uh, special Monday Sports Podcast. And before I let you go, I'll just leave you with this question. You being the putting expert you are and the fantastic putter that you are to boot, you must convey to the audience what kind of an accomplishment is it to birdie the final four holes of the Masters tournament? Have you ever heard of anything like that in your life? No, not no, not at Augusta National. I mean, uh, what does it take? And I know you haven't been in the arena as a putter. You've been there as a as a caddy, but to stand over those four birdie putts in the final four holes of the tournament, is it anything you could even describe of what kind of nerves are getting into his game at that point? If you if you've got the confidence in yourself, Bill, to think to think you're going to make it. First of all, you have to think you're going to make it, and then and then obviously. <clears throat> 
do the job himself and make the putt. But he, his putts, all those putts he made were, let's see, 5, 10, uh, 15, and 25 feet maybe. I mean, you know, making putts like that in a major championship on greens that fast is, is very <laughs> difficult. And, and that's just that's having, you know, I call it ice in your veins, I suppose. I guess I, he's got some huevos, and uh, it, it, it showed, obviously, today. Absolutely. Eric Schwartz, thanks so much for get, being part of this show, this special uh uh, presentation of uh, a Masters to remember. Enjoy your next two tour stops. You're headed to Tampa, and then what's the one the week after that you're really especially looking forward to? Uh, Legends of Golf, Savannah, Georgia. What kind of a field does the Legends of Golf have? It's uh, it's a two man best ball, and, and our partner's uh, Tom Lehman. Ah, okay, I got you now. Now, in all seriousness, you probably you guys are probably favored or close to the top of the favorite list well, in that one, right? It, now, Layman's played with Langer, and Langer's out with a, a, a thumb. Uh, he had thumb surgery, so uh, we're taking uh, his place. And Tom's a real good ball striker and a, and, and a birdie machine. So I think these two should gel quite well, Murph. All right, Eric. Well, uh, have a safe trip out there, and best of luck to you and Corey. Okay, well, thanks, Murph. You're a bad Bama Jim. <laughs> All right, that's Eric Schwarz, a longtime PGA Tour caddy for Corey Pavin. Watch for them in the next couple of weeks. They're going to be in action. Uh, Corey's going to be in the hunt, as he uh, always will be on the senior tour. And now we shift uh, to our second guest of the morning for this Masters to Remember, Russ Evans, who uh, does the Golf Exchange, heard weekly on uh, what radio stations, Russ? Uh, we are on 790, the ticket in Miami, as well as ESPN 760 in West Palm Beach. So you're a perfect person to talk to today on this Monday after the Masters, and I, I suppose you'll be a busy guy today. It, it, are you, like me, still recovering from the excitement from yesterday? Yeah, it, it was unbelievable, Bill. It was an incredibly entertaining final round. Uh, we had heard in years past that the roars that we were used to decades ago had had left Augusta National, but they returned yesterday. We're birdies and eagles all over the place, mostly on the back nine. Tiger really did his work on the front nine, and when he turned uh, and he was five under for the day, you really thought something special was about to happen for him. Unfortunately, he couldn't get it going on the back there, but he was part of the mix. But kudos to Charles Schwartzel. He birdied the final four holes to win uh, his first major and don the green jacket. It was a phenomenal tournament. We talked about how ridiculous that is to, per- to birdie the last four at Augusta on Sunday afternoon, especially through after what those greens have been through and, in, and, and how much they're drying up. It's just it's just mind-boggling. We, we kind of left off. Um, I, I, I failed to mention a lot about Tiger in the first part of this show, and I'm going to talk to you about that. But you mentioned the roars. The roars were a plenty, and there was a period of time there where David Faraday made an awesome comment on the CBS coverage about how the roars were gone for a little while and that can be just as spooky because if you're in a group and you're not hearing roars then you're wondering what's really going on with the groups in front of you and behind you too. Yeah, and almost it's also it's kind of spooky for a player because if he's getting ready to hit a shot and there's perfect silence, there's a little tension there because you want to play your shot before another roar erupts because right. you don't want to be in the middle of your swing when a roar erupts and all of a sudden you're thrown off your game. You know, I, I feel a little bad for Rory McIlroy. He put up an 80 yesterday, and, and he really stumbled through that front nine, yeah. one over par 37, and he, he, you know, he kept things kind of copacetic there when he made the turn, but it all fell apart at 10. You know, the duck hook left 
uh, into the cottages, makes a triple bogey seven on ten, and then misses a bunch of short putts on eleven and twelve as well, and you know shoots an eighty. Uh, and that's probably the only only unfortunate thing from yesterday's final round was McElroy's uh, you know self destruction. Other than that, everything else was incredibly dramatic. You had Charles Schwartzel birdie in the last four holes. You had a bunch of Australians. You know, Australia's never won this thing. No, I know, I know. and and almost every and as David Faraday also said, every continent was represented on the first page. <laughs> Right, at with KJ Choi from Asia and, right. and Tiger representing America, but you had the chance for a, a, a first Aussie donning a green jacket with three guys up there with Jeff Ogilvy, Adam Scott, and Jason Day. And Scott would have been an interesting winner because no Aussie had ever won the Masters. Also, no player has ever won any major with a long putter, so he would have killed two birds with one stone had he triumphed yesterday, but you can't take anything away from Charles Schwartz. So what he did in finishing with four birdies over the last four holes was spectacular. You know, it's interesting timing as well. This is the 50th anniversary of Gary Player's first victory at the Masters in 1961, and Player was the first ever non-American to win the Masters right. in 61, and he was also the first South African to win a major of any kind, and he, of course, won uh, eight major championships in his phenomenal career, and he was really the father of, of South African golf. And you see all the great players from South Africa that co- have come after him, and Bobby Locke, and Nick Price, and Ernie Els, and Retief Goose, and Trevor Immelman, and Charles Schwarzel apparently is the next player in that kind of breed. Yeah, yeah. And there, if you t- if you compiled all of the facts of everything that went on in yesterday's final round in the Masters and in this year, it, it would it would be a very very lengthy list. There's probably a hundred fascinating facts about yesterday. One of which was I. I was this? Did I hear this correctly? Correctly, only the second time in 21 years that someone from the final group didn't win the Masters. Is yes, that true? Yes, uh, that is correct. The only other guy was Zach Johnson in uh, in 2007. Uh, the other 19 times uh, in the last 21 years, the winner of the Masters has come from the final pairing. And you know, Angel Cabrera had a decent day yesterday. Uh, he got it low. He was he was at I believe he had a share of the lead at 11 under par sure at one did, point. Yep. But fell back with a couple of bogeys there coming in and only cards the one under par 71. I, I liked his chances going into yesterday's final round because, of course, he has done it before. He won the Masters two years ago right. in a playoff over Kenny Perry, and, and he's also won a U.S. Open, so he's a two-time major champion. Uh, and, and there were so many possibilities. Bill, yesterday, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think it was something like eight or nine different players at some point during yesterday's final round had a share of the lead. Yeah. That is just spectacular. That's right. phenomenal. That's, that's all the drama you could ask for on a final round Sunday at any tournament, much mm-hmm. less the Masters, which most people consider the greatest golf tournament of the year each and every year. Yeah, at one point I saw one player, I guess the lead was 11, six players at 10, and three players at 9. Just completely unheard of. Yeah, it so, was it was fabulous. I mean, we haven't even talked about the other half of the players uh, on that leaderboard. Luke Donald was in the mix, unfortunately yeah. for him. He double bogeyed 12, putting his tee shot in the water. and what that happened? was. What happened to Sergio Garcia? He disappeared. Yeah, Sergio, he didn't hear much from, you know, the only, I will say this, the only way yesterday could have been any better, and, and it was it was a, a 10 <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10, so right. there's no way to improve it, but, you know, had Sergio been in the mix as well, and another name that we didn't hear a lot from yesterday was Phil Mickelson, and right. we had so, so such high expectations for Phil coming into this week based on what he did last week in Houston, closing over the weekend with a 63 on Friday and a, six, or a 63 on Saturday and a 65 on Sunday to win, and he he had won the week before the Masters five years ago in right. six and gone on to win the Masters. So we thought there was a chance that he could do it again this week, and he never really got it going 
uh, with the putter. His short game was just a little bit off. It's uh, apparently for Phil, he peaked a week too early. Yeah, yeah. Last week in Houston, and I, I would say if if he had been a part of yesterday's drama, that's the only way I think it could have been better than what it was. But I don't want to take away from what we saw yesterday. It was it was probably the greatest Masters in at least 25 years. Of course, going back to '86, Jack's win when he put up a 30 on the back nine uh, to win by a stroke. I've talked to some people that were around to see the 75 one as well. Although I did I did see it as a young boy too, and uh, they're saying that this one was even more exciting yeah, than that. Yeah, 75 was great drama as well with, with of course, uh, Jack winning and Johnny Miller and Tom Weisskopf were in the mix. Uh, they were three of the, the greatest players of that generation, uh, all vying for the green jacket. We, we get this about once a decade at Augusta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think you're right. Now, what about um, what about Tiger? I think he, after, after eagling eight and birdieing nine and him walking off the ninth green the way he did, I think we all expected, well, maybe not another five under on the back, but at least two or three more birdies coming back on the other side. I don't expect you to be able to put yourself in Tiger's shoes in that situation. I don't expect anybody to do that. But what do you think happened there? I think the the bogey on 12 really stunted his momentum, and Ian Baker Finch called it immediately. As soon as he missed that three-foot par putt on 12 and tapped in for bogey, Ian right. Baker Finch said it immediately. That is a momentum killer. He, he, he did a great job parring 10, parring 11. 11 is the toughest hole on the course, so yep. a par there is almost like a birdie because you're picking up a shot on the field. And then he puts a nice tee shot center of the green at 12, 30 feet for birdie. Unfortunately, he ran it about three feet past. And we saw Tiger miss a lot of three and four and five footers this week, yeah. more than we're used to seeing Tiger miss. He's got that new Nike putter. He, he uh, shelved the old Titleist Scotty Cameron putter, uh, and he just didn't really have it. He had the one day on Friday where he only took 27 putts, and he was hot, and he ended up shooting, of course, a 66, and it was a phenomenal round. Other than that, though, the putter was cold this week. The, good, the positive thing for Tiger, it, what, that, and that's where it fell apart yesterday, bogeying 12, and then he right. couldn't birdie 13. He makes a par at 13. That's a disappointment. He hit the phenomenal 5-iron at 15 to about 4 feet, misses that eagle putt coming down the hill at 15, taps in for birdie. You know, he dropped probably three shots there by not birdieing 13, by bogeying 12, and by not converting for eagle at 15. There's three strokes right there that he should have uh, made. You know, he should have picked up. So that would put him at 13 under instead of where he finished at 10 under. He would have been in the mix. And then had he maybe uh, birdied one of the three holes coming in, 16, 17, or 18, you know, he's right there with Charles Schwartzel. But I will say this. His swing this week looked phenomenal. Uh, He was hitting all the shots. He was in the fairway with the driver and the three-wood. That was not the issue this week. The swing changes with Sean Foley, as far as I'm concerned, he's making progress, and his swing looked good this week. The putter just let him down, and you can't – he had six three-putts during the week. <laughs> you're not going to win the Masters three-putting six times. Not at all, and you're never going to – you probably won't finish tight for third like he did. Now, even – even so, and in conclusion here, Tiger with the 31 on the, on the front nine and the, t- and the tied for third finish, is the debate over on whether Tiger Woods is, uh, is uh, back or not? No, I, I think the debate, is, there is no debate. I think Tiger Woods is back. When you finish fourth at the Masters, and, you know, it's interesting. He finished, this, he finished fourth last year as well in his first tournament back in five months. That's just a testament to how, how well he plays at Augusta. It's a course that's tailor-made for him, but I think he is all the way back. I expect him to win in the next few months somewhere. I do think he'll pick up a major as well. Of course, the U.S. Open is the next one up. It's at Congressional, and then we go to the British Open and PGA Championship later on 
on this year in Atlanta. I think he'll win at one of those three venues. I expect him to also pick up another win somewhere along the lines at another PGA Tour event. I think he's all the way back. The swing is all the way back. Uh, the, the changes he's made under Sean Foley look great. Uh, and listen, when you're under pressure, that's when the swing, swing flaws show up. He was in the mix all day long yesterday. Yep. And, and, and pretty much hit every shot where he wanted it to. So if, if, if there were some flaws in his current swing, they would have shown up yesterday. We didn't see it. He's just got to refine that putter. He's got to, he's got to play more, Bill. I think yeah. that's the biggest answer. You know, he's got to play more. He's got to get more reps. He, you know, the Tiger of old, only playing 15 or 16 times a year, I think he's got to change that, that approach. And I think he's got to enter more tournaments that he hasn't traditionally played in the past because he's got to get more reps under his belt. Russ Evans, a lot of great information there. I really appreciate you being part of this uh, uh, Masters to Remember episode of the show. Catch uh, Russ uh, Sundays at 7.60 and 7.90 a.m. in South Florida area online. People out of the area can hear you uh, online as well. That's right. Uh, the Honda Classic website, www.thehondaclassic.com. You can stream, stream live audio anywhere in the world, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time, every Sunday morning. And, Bill, it was a pleasure. Always great to talk to you. Thank you for the invite. A pleasure for me, too, as well, Russ. Enjoy talking about the Masters all day long, which I'm sure you will be. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to next year's Masters. <laughs> me, too, buddy. We'll do the same thing next year. All right. Take care. Take care, man. Thanks. And finally, our third guest today on this special edition of A Masters to Remember, Louis Bartoletti joins me from Sp- Seven Bridges at Springtree Golf Club in Sunrise, who's uh, also been a, uh, an advertiser here on the show and is uh, heavily into the business of golf, so we want to talk about it from that angle. So far in the show, Louis, hey, first of all, thanks for joining me this morning. I'm sure you're busy. Well, thank you. Um, so far, we've talked to uh, uh, two different guests. We got a caddy's perspective from Eric Schwartz, who's been a longtime uh, caddy on the tour. Russ Evans, who talked to us a little bit about all the rest of the field and some of the other things that happened that we missed yesterday. I'm sure you're in agreement with me and uh, both of my guests on the show this morning that pretty much the most exciting Masters you've ever seen. Oh, hands down. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, I think the neatest thing is I remember when I grew up, it was nobody ever won a major. It was always. Someone lost one or it was handed to him. Right. And now with all the good players, we have a guy to birdie the last four holes. That's pretty incredible. Oh, you see, that's an excellent point. Usually the it's a last man standing kind of thing. This time it was a battle right to the end, a shootout it, 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 for all intents and purposes. So. Yeah. Um, now, I want to talk to you about the business part of it because things were going through my head about how, first of all, the, the ratings must have been through the roof. I'm sure we'll find out about that today. And, and the business that surrounds... The, the Masters, you have, even though you're a very skilled golfer, you've decided to take the route into the business part of it. You understand a lot of the things that go on behind the scenes. So uh, is there any comprehension about the money that was generated by the Masters for golf, the popularity that may have been spiked over the last week, and all the side effects that come from what happened this weekend? Well, I think what you see more than anything is it's a worldwide event now. I mean, it used to be a rare occasion when, uh, uh, American didn't win the Masters. Right. And when I looked at the paper on Sunday, I think it was, I think the first eight or seven players, or maybe Saturday, were all foreigners. I mean, to see the first seven or eight, it used to be one or two at most, and now it's, it's a worldwide game. So the game's growing internationally, too, which, you know, is great. I hope it continues to grow in America. I think it's starting to, has slowed down here, but I think. I think Tiger's reemergence, same thing, is, is, is a good thing. Yep. And, uh, you know, to listen to those foreigners saying how they sat in front of the TV and just watched Tiger play every shot and Jack Nicklaus play every shot when they were kids. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's what the Masters has done to grow the game of golf. I think you also bring up a great point about the foreign players. For someone to come across the, the ocean and play over there, I mean, there's a lot involved with those people. It speaks a lot about their talent. All those guys that were at the top of the leaderboard, you know, after the traveling and all the things that they've been through and, and with not as much opportunity to go over to Augusta and play like uh, the American players do. So speaks volumes for their talent. Now, as, and another thing about the business, th- this, this golf course is just so impeccable. The, the maintenance and everything that goes into it, that... What I wanted to know from you was, do you have any comment about how the course played on Sunday? And am I correcting, assuming you could tell me if I'm if I'm right about this? There, there's such a system in place there at Augusta that just a minor adjustment on a lawnmower or just a, a button pressed here and there in the irrigation system, they pretty much have control of Mother Nature and the way that course will play on Sunday, do they not? Oh, yeah. I think just take a look at number 15. You know, I didn't watch much of the Masters except for the last day, but just take a look at 15. Any shot that used to be short on that par 5, right. rolled back in the water. You know, and they have done things throughout the years. You know, they mow the fairways. I, in fact, I believe they still mow the fairways. They mow them from, tea, or from green to tee to get the grain to go and to lay towards the tee to make it play longer. Wow. I mean, they, they, they control everything. You know, they got the... Uh, um, the air system in their greens, you know, that controls the, the, the texture of the greens. So they can they control the whole game. It, it is pretty incredible what they can do. On a downside to that right. is the typical, you know, uh, golfer, they have set the standards for private clubs. Private clubs have, you know, increased their budgets trying to keep up with Augusta, which has made public golf courses keep up their clubs. You know, uh, with the uh, private clubs, uh-huh. and we're spending so much money taking care of these golf courses <laughs> that the game's getting out of hand. They're and raising the bar a little too high. They, I think they've raised the bar way too high. I mean, you know, if you go back and look at the old pictures of the Masters, it's great. I see, I see runners of uh, Bermuda grass running into the fairways, and the bunkers weren't edged perfect. And I, I love to see that. It was natural, you know. Yeah, you even trap. see balls bouncing on the green on some of the putts. Yeah, and, and nowadays, I mean, everything is so perfect. The standards, I mean, you know walk mowing the tees. All these things have raised the standards of golf, especially in America, and I don't think it's like that yet overseas. We're all spending too much money, which is driving up the cost of golf. I mean, it used to be that, you know, a sand trap, I like Nicholas's idea a little bit about not raking them. It's right. hazard. Right. You know, but, you know, they're, they're manicured now. They're perfect. The guy gets a buried lie on tour, and, you know, he wants to shoot the superintendent. That uh, and one more note on the on this subject, and I want to talk about fourteen because that's a bunkerless hole, and I find it very interesting. But I want to ask you one more thing about this. Looking at the leaderboard at the end of the day Saturday, can do do they make a decision on how they're going to treat the course for the next day based on what the leaderboard is, or do they have a plan at the beginning of the week? Do you know that? I don't know that, but hmm. I'm going to say it's based. I'm going to say it's based on scores and par. Right. Yeah, I, I I really think that you know they're they're trying to set the golf course up. They don't want to, they don't want anyone to tear it up. I mean, they lengthen it, they lengthen it, they lengthen, it, they do all these things, and the players just get better and better. They're not happy when they see people like uh, Schwartz a hole out on a, on a hole like he did on two yesterday. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I I think they they appreciate that, but they don't want to turn it into a birdie fest. <laughs> right, and right. It, it, it's it's incredible. Now fourteen turns out to be just a, a bunkerless hole. It looks so strange when you see a flyover. It looks like it's not complete, and um. I'm wondering what what was the the story behind that hole? Do they just have so many little berms and moguls and hills on that fairway that no matter where you're hitting from, you're going to have a difficult lie to deal with? Is that the idea behind that hole? You know, I I, 
be honest with you, I can't tell you. Right. I think that it adds character. You yeah. Know? Uh, you know, they were they were designed. I think bunkers originally started. They started as hazards for you know the sheep and that. But I think in America they were designed for aesthetics. They're you know most of the time they're there as directional signals. Don't go here. Yep. Don't go there. And they frame the hole. And uh, I think it created you know a uh, some sex appeal or some talk about the golf course when you have a hole that's bunkerless and it's still hard. You don't have to have a bunker to make the hole difficult. And it's uphill and long, which is difficult enough to deal with, I'm yeah. sure. Louis Bartoletti, thanks for taking the time uh, to share this, some of this behind-the-scenes uh, outlook on the Masters. I know you probably... Are you one of those people that the phone was just stop, ringing nonstop yesterday during the final round? No, no. I just I was outside, so that the phone was inside. I had to, I got a little TV on the patio, and I was doing some work at the same time. So that's what I enjoy doing. I just figured all your friends know you're the golf expert, so they probably called you to weigh in their opinion on it. So, well, Murph, who did you? What did you think of the finals? I, I just couldn't even believe it. For 90 minutes there, I was just I I was saying to myself that it was the most fun I've had watching sports in at least a few years. Yeah, I'll be I'll be very interested to see what the ratings are too, because I, I guarantee they were through the roof. Before we go, we're gonna we got a special going on at Spring Tree uh, Seven Bridges at Spring Tree starting up. May 1st, um, that people that listen to the show can take advantage of. What's your special rate going on there? It's a VIP rate for your listeners only, Murph. It's $19, includes the cart. All right, so that's uh, you've got the information here on the webpage to find out how you can get there and play that beautiful new course up there at Seven Bridges at Spring Tree. Thanks a lot, Louie. All right, thanks, Murph. There you have it, our special edition of A Masters to Remember, and boy, was it a Masters to Remember. It's good to do sports shows every once in a while. My special thanks to Louis Bartoletti, Russ Evans, and Eric Schwartz for chiming in today. Definitely had an all-star cast. We're going to try to get a wrap-up on the Florida Panthers 2010-2011 season with one of their players for tomorrow's show right here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Log on each weekday for another edition of The Bill Murphy Show at BillMurphyShow.com. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to Murph at BillMurphyShow.com. That's M-U-R-P-H at BillMurphyShow.com. A Murphonics Media Production.